You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Russell takes the snap, steps up in the pocket, looks, has time. Now he's going to throw. Tyler Lockett looks for the ball. He's got it. Touchdown, Seahawks. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. The handoff inside to Carson starts up the middle, now bounces it across the line. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Powered by Seahawks.com. Boy, it feels good to have even that record at 2-2. Two and two. It makes everything just a little bit easier, minus the fact that it is a short week and a primetime game on Thursday. Jen Mueller and John Boyle with you for this edition of the Seahawks Insiders Podcast. John, is it just me, or is there, like, no sense of time on a no week idea. like this? I have no idea what day it is. It, uh, we would have missed our recycle pickup yesterday if not for a nice neighbor who took it out for me. So <laughs> shout out to Rusty. Thanks for that. But uh, yeah, it's, these weeks get confusing. Yeah, I, I've woken up each of the last two mornings trying to figure out what day it is and what it is that I'm supposed to do. And you know what? It actually does not get easier on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday because we're not going to be doing anything normal those days either. Except Sunday, I've already marked off to watch an entire day of football. I am very, very excited about it. Excellent. Sounds I would nice. be more excited if the Seahawks can get the win against the Rams. It is a tough test, but John, I think that you're feeling a lot better, and I don't want to put words into your mouth, but I think everybody is feeling a lot better after what they saw in San Francisco. There was a couple of different ways this team got over the hump. Offensively, they were able to score points in the second half and just stay on the field, convert some of those third downs, and then defensively, we saw a different scheme, a new starter, and I think that helped with some of those results. For sure. I mean, I'm really encouraged by what we saw out of the defense. It it looked kind of bleak to start. You know, we were worried about the defense after the last couple of weeks, and then the 49ers just marched right down the field for a long touchdown drive, and you're thinking, okay, here we go. And they really turned things around. They didn't give up another score after that one until pretty late in the game when, when they had the game pretty well in control. You know, forced a bunch of punts, got a takeaway. It just, there's a lot of good stuff to see. And, you know, you mentioned the scheme going. I, I liked what they did with that dime package a lot. We saw really good things out of Ryan Neal, had a bunch of third down stops. So, I would guess we're going to see more of that going forward, and it was a lot of good stuff. Absolutely. Ryan Neal was a difference maker. Four tackles, one pass defense. The Hawks had four passes defensed in the first half, nine total in the game. That is significant because there were five in the first three games of the year. So a huge jump there. When we talk about cornerback play, there was a new starter. There was also a change for DJ Reed, Pete Carroll, liking what he saw with the new alignment. I thought uh, DJ played very, very comfortably on the right side. It's, it's his best side, and that, that was a good move in that, in that sense. Uh, uh, Sydney had, had, had some good play, um, did some nice things, and got in trouble a couple times. And, and uh, it's just first time out stuff. And, and um, but he, he was comfortable in the game. He responded well. He adjusted well as we did stuff during the game and in the game. And, and uh, in that he competed really well. I guess maybe I know the answer to this, but do you plan to keep going with that for, for the, those two for now as the starters? Or it's a really short week, and, and those are big decisions, and we haven't gotten there yet. But yeah, it, we, right now, if we're playing tonight, he'd be playing again. Nice of Bob Condota to make an appearance on our podcast with the question there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, again, as Pete Carroll said, it wasn't perfect, especially for Sidney Jones. He had some mistakes, which maybe unfortunately is kind of what is expected and necessary when you make an in-season change like that. But uh, again, overall, just what we saw of that secondary in general looked a lot better. And I would only think it's going to look better going forward when you have Sidney Jones get more comfortable, DJ Reed settling in back on that right side where he played so well last year. 
Well, and you could tell as the game went on, right? And yes, there was that long touchdown play late in the game that really skewed some of the numbers. And a couple of late scores made this game look closer than it actually was. But you could tell that the coverage tightened up as the game went on. You mentioned that opening drive by the 49ers. That was 80 yards. It is one of the longest drives by a Seahawks opponent this year. And you started to worry about how much cushion are you giving those wide receivers or George Kittle. But I do think that we saw him take some steps in the game even if there were some big plays allowed. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned that pass defense number earlier. I mean, that's just a really good sign. They're just around the ball more. They're in tighter coverage where, yeah, those first few games, they were just giving up a lot of stuff. And they were making it a lot harder on them, a lot more contested catches, a lot more balls broken up, you know, some big hits out of the safeties. Just, again, a lot of good stuff. And it's... Not going to get any easier this week, is it? No, it's not. But you do like seeing that third down conversion number, 2 of 14 for the 49ers. Now, they did not get to third down very often on that scoring drive to start the game, but it does show how that defense kind of changed, and they more than held their own in the second half of the game. That quarterback group is going to be tested this week. It's not just the Rams. It is Matthew Stafford running this offense. It has always been a challenge to go against Sean McVay, but Matthew Stafford brings a new element. Well, the system is really basically the same with different, different, uh, you know, emphasis in terms of how much they're doing stuff, some stuff, but it's basically the same plays and all, um, you know, big, tall, hard throwing quarterback is what both those guys are and, and very similar in, in when you look at, at the game. But uh, you, I think you can tell that the, the coaches are really trusting uh, Matthew and really giving him a lot of latitude to throw the ball a lot and, and spread the field. And, and uh, um, it, it's obvious that, the, that they really are excited about what, what he contributes. You know, he, he's seeing a, a terrific scheme. Um, he's seeing excellent receivers. Uh, the pass protection, he's been sacked three times in four games. You know, he's, you know, that's quarterback's dream. So he's, he, they're off to a, a terrific start and it looks really like a, it was a great move to get him. As you said, Jen, you know, this offense has always been tricky. They, they do a really good job scheming things up. But when you go out and upgrade at quarterback, it just opens up that much more. There's just more throws available for McVay to call now with, with that arm. I mean, not nothing against Jared Goff, but we're talking about one of the elite arms in the NFL and Matthew Stafford who can just make some crazy throws. So, yeah, it's it, it really makes that a scary group. An elite arm with finally some weapons around him, something he did not have during the course of his career in Detroit. Exactly. But when you have a guy like Jared Goff, when you've got Robert Woods, you know, that really changes things. Matthew Stafford is third in the NFL right now. He's racked up 1,022 yards. His attempts and completions are pretty impressive. 11 touchdowns. That is among the top three in the NFL. And Cooper Cup is the most targeted wide receiver in the NFL right now, which shouldn't be a surprise. He is always up there, but also he is a tough matchup. Like I did, you Again, Corns, you, I think that this is actually where the Ryan Neal part of this conversation takes place, right? Yeah. I mean, you yeah, getting that extra defensive back on when you talk about all the different weapons and the ways that they can use them, I, I do think we're going to see – Pretty. I mean, obviously the situations of the game, the down and distance, that's going to matter a lot. But this Rams team is throwing more than they have in past years. Part of that's the new quarterback, but part of it's also they're just beat up at running back. They lost Cam Akers before the year. A lot of the other guys they've plugged in there are beat up. So I think we're going to see a more pass-heavy Rams offense than in the past. So, yeah, you'll you'll see plenty of that dime and Ryan, you'll cover guys. But 
Cooper Cup in particular, I mean, that guy is just, he's a nightmare to cover. He's, it just, it, the way they scheme things, it just seems like he's always so open. And that's why going into last weekend, he was the NFL's leading receiver. The, the Cardinals did a decent job on him. Yeah. Well, and he's so open downfield, but Robert Woods is a really interesting yep. threat because he's going to be the one running that fly sweep, but he could just as easily end up being the running back right now. Daryl Henderson is listed as the number one back after all of those injuries. You got to be careful there. And look, they also play clean football. I mean, they are the least penalized team in the NFL. Last week, they had seven penalties, which is part of what accounted for that loss. But you you can't just let these guys go. You're going to have to have tight coverage early in this one and not make any mistakes. Sounds like a good plan. Don't mess up. Don't. <laughs> you should be a coach, Jen. I, I could really, I could give one heck of a pep talk. Here's something that I know the coaching staff and the team is aware of. The Rams are 6-3 and three against Seattle since Sean McVay took over. Talk about having their number. It has been a tough matchup. It is a tough matchup for Russell Wilson and the offense because you've got guys like Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd on that defensive line. But you know what? Russell Wilson is coming off an incredible performance that I don't know you would have predicted after those first couple of series. I thought it was, a, it was, you know, it's hard to maybe see how we appreciate what what the play was like. But uh, when you, you take it out there, the, the first series, and you get dumped and you get sacked, and the second series again, and the third series again, I mean, it's a challenge to anybody in any any endeavor, you know, how do you hang when, when you know when it starts th- that difficult and and uh, it looks bleak and all that. And he didn't even he didn't even falter. He didn't waver. He hung right there and and, and came back just like we know him always. And just did it again, you know, and put together a, an excellent game for us. Uh, one of my favorite games because of that, uh, the circumstances on the road, the crowd, all of that. The pass rush was roaring. And then after the first three, they didn't get they didn't get him again, you know. And, and when he needed to get out, he did. When he needed to scramble to throw it and win the game with a touchdown pass he did it um you know so i was really proud of that 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 outing and thought it was one of his one of his classics i thought it was really um to me it's one of the real special ones you know it's interesting if you just looked at the stats and you heard pete carroll say it's one of his favorite games you'd be like really i mean i got 149 yards on 23 attempts that's that's nothing spectacular but it's what he and the offense endured early and the way they came back i mean Five straight three and outs. Three of those ended on sacks. I mean, it just, it looks so bleak for the offense. You're just like, man, I mean, the 49ers defense is so good. Give them credit. But you're just like, this offense doesn't look like it can function today. What are they going to do? So to come around like they did and put together four touchdowns and, you know, just all the efficiency numbers were great for Russell Wilson. And then also, you know, he kind of turned back the clocks a little with his legs. That, That touchdown run, he looked about as fast as I can remember in years. And then the scramble throw to Freddie Swain was just insane. It, it, the, the escape was great, and we've seen that a lot, but the throw he made was just absurd. So, yeah, I mean, when you factor in those specific plays that were just vintage Russ with the way he and the offense just overcame such a tough start – it was a great performance. They were, in fact, the lowest passing numbers of the year for Russell Wilson. You talk about that bleak start. There were no plays longer than five yards on the first 15 plays. And after one quarter, it was minus three. It got to minus seven. It was 194 to minus seven after the fifth three and out. 
But here's where we saw a big improvement, and it's not just in the execution. And look, I think there was some communication stuff early across the offensive line. I think it was actually hard to hear some of the calls. Yeah, the fans were loud. I, I just think that they were not communicating loud enough. We don't see Dwayne Brown give up a sack the way that we did. You know, we, we don't see a couple of those guys coming free the, the way that they did if there weren't communication issues. That got tightened up for a team that had yet to score in the third quarter of a game. They scored twice. They scored 21 points in the second half. I don't know how much that means because it certainly didn't feel good when they weren't scoring in the first quarter, but Pete did say at halftime, they found a way to get over the hump in the second quarter. And that, I, I don't think he was just talking about for the game. I think he was talking about how that offense was clicking. And John, if you think back to when the year started and how much we talked about what is this new system going to look like? How long is it going to take for it to all click? I think we both said it was going to take three to four weeks, Mm -hmm. three to four weeks, which is right where we're at. Exactly. And, you know, the fast starts are awesome and hopefully they can do that again. It's like, hey, why not do both? But it's it's a big thing to show that you can. It's one thing to fast start. Excuse me. It's one thing to start fast and then fade and not recover. It's I think it's a lot more important to be able to make those fixes in game and adjust like they did. And now that they've shown they can do that. I think that's really going to help everyone's confidence and, and help them be better going forward. One of the adjustments they made in game was going to Alex Collins yeah. more than Chris Carson. And I went back and I watched Chris Carson had the first two snaps of the game. It's not like he wasn't involved, but Alex Collins does bring something just a little bit different. I'm going to be curious to see how they mix him in. But what we know for sure is Pete was pleased. No, it was really obvious. You know, he had the big catch and run, uh, which was, you know, it was easy for him, but uh, that was a nice play change for field position got us moving a little bit but his running was just real effective and real consistent and then he had uh the really nice touchdown run you know it really was dancing through the mess and it looked great um but alex has really been a a come-through guy for us he's really done a nice job when we've called on him and uh he practices really hard he's really tuned in every day and so it's he he prepares to do well and it, it happened it was great as you mentioned, going into that sixth possession, they didn't have a play over five yards yet. Collins comes in, very first play. They, they designed something nice up with some mixed direction. He's wide open, takes a, a big way. And then the next two plays, not as big, but just back-to-back five- and four-yard runs where now you're in third and short, and the offense from there just really got going. So I think the next play after that was a big pass to DK Metcalf on third and one. So it was just, he, you know, obviously he didn't do all that himself, but he really helped spark the offense, and he does. He just gives you a little different look that – Sometimes, you know, no knock on Chris Carson. Obviously, he's a great player, but sometimes when it's not working, a different style can get a defense on his heels a little bit. Collins might see something a little differently, just make a guy miss, and all of a sudden you're rolling, and he he looked great. I mean, it was only 10 carries, so the numbers weren't real gaudy, but that big catch he had and then the touchdown run was super impressive. So it's it's just a great weapon to have. You know, Chris Carson's going to get plenty of touches, but to know that you have that in your back pocket of – kind of a change of pace who can get the job done. That's big for the offense. Well, and Chris Carson's a little bit up in the air for Thursday night. He's missed some practice time with what they are calling a neck injury, so it's nice to have Alex Collins. And then you can mix in guys like DJ Dallas. We saw Travis Homer get a little bit of playing time as a uh, as a running back last week. But I wonder, for as much as we talk about running game, and obviously you want to establish the run, first of all, that is really tough to do against this defensive line of the Rams. Secondly, 
Their secondary has been giving up some points and some yards. The defense has allowed 99 points through four games, and opponents are scoring on 44% of their drives. So for as good as the Rams looked through their first three games, there's some opportunities there. And I know that there's a lot of people looking at DK Metcalf and Jalen Ramsey, but also with those wide receivers having fairly quiet games last week, I'm wondering who's going to break out on Thursday. Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how, how they attack that defense. We know that they gave them a lot of trouble last year. It's it's a little bit of a def- different defense, new coordinator, but they're still doing a lot of the same things schematically. But, you know, do you move DK Metcalf around a lot to try to avoid the Ramsey matchup? If, you know, if Ramsey's with DK, do you try to exploit that with other guys? But you're right. They've given up a lot more big plays. They've, you know, the, the Cardinals convert a bunch of third and longs on them. So I think there is going to be some opportunity there. It's just going to be interesting to see how it's kind of distributed got to wait and see is Gerald ever going to get back that'd be big for the offense and I'm sure personally he would love to face his former team so it's uh that defense is still really talented but I do think there's maybe some more opportunity than last year when they were really humming and I cannot believe that we have gone this long without mentioning Shane Waldron facing his former team I mean that's that's really kind of the overarching theme of this game right is how does he match up against his former team how much information can he give the Seahawks to kind of help out I know that he's going to downplay it but I do think it's a fun chess match to track it is I kind of I go back to like my game theory I took in college when I was studying economics of like okay so he knows how their defense would want to attack a certain thing, but they know what he's thinking. So does he adjust or does he not? Because they think he's going to adjust what he's doing. So it's fascinating to me whenever you have these matchups of coaches who know each other, know the, what kind of know what each is thinking. And then it's just, it's a fun angle. It's, you know, it's fun to see how McVeigh is going to handle it because he's thinking, okay, what kind of Intel is, 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 uh, Excuse me. What kind of intel is Shane Waldron giving the Seahawks on us? Do we need to change some calls? So, yeah, I'd be curious to see how this all plays out. Yeah. That game theory sounds way too confusing. Like, I like I like the idea of it. I've it tried to class. read a few books it on it. I'd fail it if I took it, it right now, like, but it was a fun yeah. class back <laughs> yeah. a long time ago. Yeah, and, you know, here's the other thing. You're on a short week. These teams know each other from past meetings, not necessarily from what they've put on film This year, I mean, yes, I know that both sides have looked at all four games, but quite honestly, you were in such a sprint to get ready for a Thursday night game. I think in some ways it takes a little bit of that out of it Mm -hmm. and it really just is going to come down to execution. No, that's a that's a really good point on the short week. It's sometimes it's a little stripped down on what you can do schematically and it's just who gets the job done. Well, I think it is time to ask who needs to get the job done, John Boyle. It is time for the two things you need to see happen for the Seahawks to come away with a win and move over 500. I want to see the defense keep Cooper Cup in check a little bit. I I think that was a big factor in what the the Cardinals were able to do successfully last week. The trickle down of that, I think, was just a lot of other things that that offense struggled with when when the number one weapon wasn't going. So let's keep him, him under 90 yards. Sounds about right. Other side of the ball, I just want to see this no turnover streak continue. That's this one of the things the Rams have done pretty well against the Seahawks is take the ball away more more so than other teams. And it, three straight games without turnovers big for this offense. Just keep that going. 
Yeah, I would like to see them get to Matthew Stafford. For the last two weeks, you've got guys that are getting the ball out so fast. That pass rush and those blitzes really haven't had a chance to get home. They did start to affect Jimmy Garoppolo, and then when he left the game in the second half, that changed the complexion of things. But I'd like to see them get to Matthew Stafford, a guy who's been sacked just three times this year. And, John, here is a stat I am going to drop on you. It is really important the Seahawks have the lead at halftime. I know it is not how you start. It is how you finish. But here's what else I know. Since 2017, the Rams are unbeaten when they have a lead at halftime. They are 40 and 0. So while I am sure they can buck any trend that's out there, how about if we just grab that lead? We don't have to worry about that. I like it. Let's do it. Okay, I think that's a plan. And you know what? I think that'll do it for this week's edition of the Seahawks Insiders Podcast. We'll see you next time.